0: One, two? Can you hear me? Sweet. Okay. All righty. Let's get stuck in. Great to hear bubbling chat. That's always a good noise. Cool. So we're just going to dive in. We're going to get into some scripture this morning. Um, we're going to be looking at Mary pouring an alabaster jar of nard on Jesus. So if we could have the first slide, please, Josh. That'd be awesome. We're going to be looking at Mark chapter 14, verses 3 to 9. So if you've got um, a screen or even the old school um, version, please crack it open. Uh, But it'll be on the screen. So we'll just uh, read it out now. While Jesus was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. And you can help them at any time you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Cool. So some context first. Um, You'll find this story in Matthew 26 and John chapter 12 as well. There is a similar story in Luke chapter 7, um, but different woman, different place, um, different reaction from Jesus, different response from the people, just Different. So Luke 7 is different. But there are two other cases where this is written about in the Gospel accounts. And this nard, um, this perfume oil, so there were common household um, oils which were used for medicinal purposes or um, anointing guests as they arrived and the kind of welcoming process in that culture. Uh, But this is not a a normal common um, oil. This is nard, which was uh, found from a North Indian root. A North Indian root. And Yeah, it's very expensive. It's a perfume oil, so it's not common. In fact, uh, Matthew and Mark wrote that it was very expensive. John and Mark both say it was worth at least 300 denarii. And so bearing in mind all the festivals the Jews had, um, and also bearing in mind that one denarii was um, a day's worth of wages for a lot of people, we're looking at basically a year's salary or more poured poured in that was used to buy this jar of nard. So, what, 40-hour week, minimum wage in New Zealand, before tax, $39,000? So, we're looking at minimum of $39,000 equivalent bottle of nard, or flask of nard. Not cheap. So, in Matthew and Luke, Mary anoints Jesus' head with the nard. In John, Mary is also said to have anointed Jesus' feet, too. And that's not a contradiction. I think she just had a lot of nard. And so she got the head and the feet. He just got dunked, basically. This act definitely was not formal or dignified in the customs of the day. And Mary's actions um, expressed, I think, quite clearly, um, very deep devotion and adoration of Jesus. And just as a side note, the last point, just on some context of setting the scene of this passage a bit, um, I think Mary gets Jesus more than any of the other 12 disciples before Pentecost. And I didn't know John was going to talk about Mary last week, but you just look at the moments of Mary in the Gospels, and, and she just gets Jesus. She's raw. She's real. She's passionate. She understands Jesus. She understands his ways. Whilst others are busy preparing meals, Jesus is, uh, Mary is with Jesus. Whilst others are crying about Lazarus dying, Mary approaches Jesus. She's just bold and fiery and passionate and wise. So we've got some context. Let's immerse ourselves in the moment of this story. It's only a few verses, and it's very easy to just skip through it, but what was it like to be there? Imagine Mary approaching the entrance to the room, hearing the noise of the people at the feast, Thoughts and feelings flying around inside of Mary. Butterflies, perhaps? Second thoughts? Nervous? Scared? Aware of breaking the norms, excited, set in her ways? And then Mary enters the room. What were the expressions like on the people's faces as she approached? Was there stunned silence initially? Did the guests um, start talking audibly, really loudly? Could she hear their very thoughts? What was Jesus' expression like as he became aware of Mary approaching? What was Mary's expression like as she approached Jesus and broke the alabaster jar and poured it over his head and his feet? And what did the oil represent for Mary? Because I think I, f- I find it very easy to just think, "Oh, well, the oil was." Uh, as we know from later on in the passage um, to do with Jesus' burial coming up, and it was it was a sign of just her uh, devotion and love. But I wonder if it went deeper. What if that oil represent anguish over the years? What if it represented sadness? What if it represented a pouring out of emotions and feelings of thoughts that are from such a deep place from such a long time and just poured out in worship and adoration to Jesus? And then, as John writes in his gospel, the rich, sweet, pleasing aroma of the fragrance filling the room. This nard is strong stuff, like a few drops and you're smelling it. Like my flatmate John sprays deep heat in the morning and it stinks out the house, but that neck level and actually smelling nice, unlike deep heat. And so if we could have the next slide, please. I just want to pose a question. What does it look like for us to break our alabaster jar of pure nard and pour it on Jesus in deep adoration and worship? What does it look like? Now, first of all, for those of us who know, know Jesus, we've been journeying with him, we've encountered him, and we just know that our worship is a response to him first loving us, we, we can automatically start kind of getting into that question maybe a, um, quite a bit. But for those who don't know him, I suppose that raises questions of why would I want to? And hopefully that will kind of unfold and unwrap as we continue uh, and go on. But what does it look like? Seb, what does that mean for you? Seb, what does that look like for you? Does it vary? When was the last time? When was the last time you got lost in adoration and worship in Jesus, that you stopped noticing everything else around you? What does it mean for you to be free in worship of God? Obviously, I'm using this as a metaphor, not literally talking about when am I going to find Jesus and dunk him with my alabaster jar of nard. And so we're just going to go through this passage a bit, and um, we're going to follow the trail um, and see what it it brings us um, on this whole area of freedom and worship. So the first point... um, Mary, if we could have the next slide please, awesome. So when I play the card game Uno with the young people, I um, usually go for an open hand when you're supposed to have a closed hand. So I suppose I'm doing the same here. All cards are on the table. um, And that's where we're gonna be going through. We're gonna go through these points. Mary brought pure nard in an alabaster jar. And we can just stop for a moment and and agree that that is so left of field (laughs) back then, but also now, it's so left of field. But it was Mary's response in worship. And so what does our worship look like? And at this point, I just want to reference Simon. Um, He did a talk a few months ago on the the worship reflex. So good. Check it out if you haven't already. And he talked about the breadth of worship, and worship is not just singing. He also talked about the ways we can worship just in our little moments in every day, and that's really cool. I suppose a lot of what I'm going to be talking about is, is kind of actually reflecting on our space here when we come together and in corporate settings but it's also relevant to our own personal time, whether it's in our bedroom or or wherever. And so Mary brought her nod. That was her expression of worship. And, And what does worship look like for us? Singing, no singing, dancing, kneeling, lying down, sitting, standing still, singing to your horse, not uttering a word or showing anything on your resting face, tears, joy, both. Lament? Stillness? Noise? Movement? Painting? Drawing? Listening? Watching? Talking with God? Journaling? And some of that won't be for you. Like, for me, um, dancing is just a pure health hazard, and if I do it, I get dizzy, and I genuinely think there's a danger of me tripping over. Uh, Particularly in, like, church spaces, it's just not my cup of tea. Um, But I've given that to the Lord, And it has happened a few times, where I've just known I need to step out, and that is something I just want to express. And even though it's deeply uncomfortable at the time, that is my worship to Him. Like, there is something that needs to be unlocked which is more important than my dignity in that moment. And I do not like it. And there is no video evidence, so don't even think about it. No. (laughs) Um, And it doesn't have to be your own unique thing as well, like when we're thinking about freedom and worship. Raising hands in sung worship is a very natural thing, for example. It's quite a common thing, right? We were doing it this morning. Um, And I think our Bible tells us that's a very natural response to worshiping God. But also, having spent a lot of hours in football stadiums in the UK, I can tell you it's a very natural response for people who are worshiping to raise their hands. Very natural. And here's where it gets even more interesting. And bear with me, this is probably the meatiest, kind of like densest part of this talk for the next minute or so. If we try to measure freedom purely by the outward expression of yourself or others, I think we've missed the point or potentially missed the mark a bit. See, I've seen plenty of religion um, just going through the motions, not really thinking about it, just a dryness with hands raised, and I've seen stunning encounters with hands in pockets. And I've seen the opposite, of course, (laughs) totally. And I've seen all those in myself. I think it's all about worshiping him in spirit and in truth. And what I mean about that is our mind, our body, our spirit connected. So we don't have to fully park our brain, but it's that that connection from a place of integrity and then express. Whether there is a physical outward expression of that in the moment, or whether it's internal, or whether it's both. And following through on whatever that looks like. No guilt trips. No faking it, no comparison, no striving, no performance, and no, like, trying to avoid paralysis by analysis as well and overthinking it. And here's the thing. I think if we want to step into freedom and worship to a greater extent, um, I think the key thing is actually just looking to Jesus, getting lost in awe of who he is. And as we position ourselves to do that, as we posture ourselves to do that, the freedom just kicks in. Because you just want to worship him as as we encounter God, and we encounter that we are first loved by him, and we remember what he did for us, and we remember scripture, and we remember where he's been in our lives, and and, and those encounters, we, we, we can't but worship. It stirs in us, even if we feel rubbish, which I'll get onto in a moment. And just on this point of what is our alabaster jar of pure nard, I think one of the things the Lord wants to do in us a bit more is actually birth spontaneous song in us, which for some of you might sound incredibly scary. Whether here or in your bedroom, but preferably both, um, you know, private or, or corporate settings, that there is something about the, the song of our heart, the spontaneous song of our heart. And we can even see this in scripture again. In the New Testament, Paul writes about um, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, which at first thought or first glance might sound a bit strange, but when we unpack that, um, psalms and hymns are what has already been written down. But these spiritual, these these spiritual songs are actually spontaneous songs of the heart. And there's a Hebrew word, um, it's one of seven for praise in the Old Testament, which is Tehila. And that is the spiritual song of the heart, is the, the spontaneous song of the heart. And that's what Paul's getting at, is these spontaneous moments. They, they are moments that break in between what is planned and structured. So you might have noticed that this morning, for example, on a real practical moment. We got to the end of the worship time. And there was just something that just wanted to, to break out. And it's partly led by the team, partly led by Robert, but there's something actually, you know, there's something that wants to come out, wants to be sung. I love these moments, personally. For me, I can feel and know logically it's there too. I know I have a song in my heart to let out. And sometimes I just start singing in tongues because I don't know what I'm doing. Um, other times I just, the words just come, And it's, it's like a muscle, you just get used to it. Cool, that's quite a meaty first point. The other, others aren't gonna be as meaty. But um, just on this, like I don't have many flash stories today but I do just have something that's really deep on my heart, and so I hope this is helpful, and like, I know it's quite deep end, but there we go. Give it a crack. Number two. Mary broke the alabaster jar. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, what, what molds do we need to break out of? It's so interesting that she broke the jar, because I, I like things quite neat and tidy sometimes, and I'm like, why did you break the jar? <laughs> why can't you just pour the nard? but she broke the jar. What molds do we need to break out of? And I love what Mike said last week in the worship. Mike just, I I mean, gosh, I can't recreate that, but he just said worship, like do what you need to do. Don't be constrained by the, the dignities and the formalities. Don't feel like you have to stand. Sit if you need to. Walk if you need to. Get out of the rows if you need to. Do what you need to do. Um, Mike, your words, I don't know where you are. Your words were so powerful. It was just trademark Mike, wasn't it? It was so gentle, um, non-threatening, and yet carried that weight of authority at the same time because it was true and it was was grace-filled. And so what jars need breaking in our lives that bottle us up, constrain us from worship? Maybe breaking out of the suffocating tentacles of apathy? maybe breaking out of dignity and pride to truly lament or express. And if you are feeling rubbish, start there. Ask Holy Spirit to fill you. Start choosing praise. And we don't need to fake it. We don't need to wear masks. We really don't. It's not helpful. Again, we just look to Jesus and we step into that psalm-like dance. And even if you're like, God, I feel awful. God, I feel depressed. I feel down. But God, I'm talking with you. I'm choosing you. I'm choosing to step in. Even if all you can do is stand, let alone a baby step, that's that's that start from a place of integrity. And even in those times, the Holy Spirit wants to rise in us, even if it's too deep for words, and even if it's just groans that are deep inside of us. And he is the worship leader. He's always pointing us to Jesus. He's been doing this since the moment we were saved. He stirs our hearts for Christ and He leads our worship. He's the one who satisfies our thirst, but he's also the one who hmm, stirs our thirst as well at the same time. That's one of the beautiful aspects of his role in, in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the, the three in one. And as a side note, I think one of the most profound prayers a worship team can pray is, come Holy Spirit. Cool. She poured oil on Jesus. Mary poured the nard on Jesus, number three. Oh, actually, I still need that. And yes, it was, it was extravagant, and it was a full-volume um, moment of worship by Mary. And it also led to a full-volume moment of intimacy with her and Jesus that so easily could not have happened. So easily. Just think how easy it would have been to duck out of that moment. I had a picture um, a few months ago of this... Um, Imagine, like, you get a nudge from God, and you, you, he tells you to go into your backyard and start digging in your garden. And so you do it, and then immediately you strike gold, just pure gold, like, and you're just amazed. And so you start digging this stuff up, and you fill your wheel, wheelbarrow and think, that's it, that's all good, I'm sorted. And you cover the, you can see there's still more gold there, and you just cover it up. Well, you don't even look if there's more gold, you just cover it up. Then you go, and what you've got is gold, right? It's 24 karat. There is no way of, of impurifying that or devaluing it. It is gold. And I just wonder, like, I don't know, for me, the picture really spoke to me in that um, I think it's so easy to just go through what we're doing and settle for that first meter of gold. And again, it's gold, right? Like, there, there's something so good in that. Like, it's, It is gold, our worship and intimacy and, and what, we, what we encounter and what we experience and what we step into with God. But I suppose my heart is that I don't want to be someone who settles for just the wheelbarrow load. I want to go after the more. I want to go after the more in encounters. I want to go deeper. And that's my heart. My desire in my life and youth group and church here is that <clears throat> we would increasingly live from a place where if Holy Spirit whispers, we notice and we partner with that. Not from a place of like, fear and like, oh my gosh, I've got to follow everything he does, but from that delight as a son or daughter. And so, number four, she ignored the voices around her. Mary ignored the voices around her. And now look, of course, we've got to respect those around us if we're worshipping in corporate spaces. Like, you can't say, well, my expression of worship is licking the person's face next to me, obviously. But you know, like, she, she ignored the just harsh criticism it? Well, tempted to lick a few people there, wasn't there? There's a few temptations. Good, good. Um, not. Um, she ignored the voices around her. What if I change the seat I sit in? What if I? What if I'm in the aisles? What if I lie down? What if I'm at the back, just pacing? You know, what? What if I bring my paints? What if I'm drawing? What if I'm journaling? What if my? What if I have my eyes open or my eyes closed? What if I do something different? And Mary would have known some of these people from birth. She would have known some people from, for years, for decades, and there would have been some people who she'd never even met before as she went into this feast. And I think on this, Jesus also had some truth for the critics in the passage. He responded directly to them. And I think it's very easy hearing a talk like this to be like, Sir, can't we talk about something more practical today? Can't we talk about mission? There's, there's more important things than this. Seb, I'm a practical person. Like, I just, you know, I I turn up, but I'm just more of a doing things sort of person. I don't really express myself much. Those are really good points and um, really good questions. And I had eight points in response to them, but I'm just going to settle for one sentence. Um, He's so worthy. There is so much more we can step into through intimate worship. And the byproduct of us doing so leaks and spreads everywhere, like the nard in the room. And I'm going to say that again, because I just think it's so true, and I think this is a really meaty sentence. He's so worthy, there is so much more to step into through intimate worship, and the byproduct of us doing so leaks and spreads everywhere, like the nard in the room. And so for me, the question I pose to myself and, and to us is like, why would I not want to step in more? Not because I have to prove anything. Not because that first meter of gold is is and that wheelbarrow load of gold is is anything other than gold. But there's more. Like my heart yearns for more. And just on this, like I um I've been going to this thing or used to go to this thing called David's Tent in the UK. I would combine it with a visit to family, um, which would be the priority of the visit, and I would go back to the UK, and David's tent was this um, 72 hours of non-stop worship in a field in West Sussex, southwest of London, middle of nowhere, and I loved it, like no talks, just one big tent, non-stop worship. And I wrote it off for the first two years. I didn't go when I was in the UK, and I just thought, oh, you know, I heard some people talking about it, and I thought, oh, this is just the next Holy Trinity Brompton, yuppie, upper-class Christians doing their thing. It's too trendy. I want the raw stuff. I'm not there for fashion and floaty Jesus on the side. I just judged them completely. Um, And boy, was I wrong. Boy, was I wrong. Totally had to eat some humble pie and realize the ugliness in my own heart and went. And those times I've been since, I think I went five or six times, some profound moments for me. And I chuck that out there because I wonder if that's maybe similar, something that you might resonate with Collective Pursuit tonight. I wonder whether you've been before. I wonder whether you've tried it. And my heart is that you just don't fall into the trap that I fell into. And I don't want a guilt trip. I really don't want a guilt trip. I was just chucking something out there, something to chew on. (laughs) Five, the aroma filled the house. This is what John's gospel tells us. There is something so deeply right when people lay it all down and worship to Jesus. It's so good. It's so good to be that person. It's so good to see it. Like There's something so beautiful going on there. The aroma of worship from the depths of our being, whatever that looks like in the moment, is thick, good, pleasing. It resonates with God. It resonates with us. It resonates even with the land and the air we breathe in. And I know that's sounding dangerously close to being like a hippie, but it's true. It's true, and the Mouldy get this so well. And even if you, go, if you want to read this scripturally, just think of passages that talk about land, but even if we don't praise the rocks, we'll cry out in praise to him creation is so aware of its creator number six coming into land shortly mary's actions had nothing to do with getting something from jesus i really believe this i really believe her top priority was loving jesus in the moment and i think this is a really interesting one it's so easy to bring our consumerism into our worship and i noticed this when i went to Davidston a couple of years ago um and they were just saying, "We're just going to praise him because he's worthy. We're just going to praise him because he was worthy." It was a real theme for that year, and it really buttered up against something in me. I was like, "Yeah, but what is he going to do for me? What am I? What am I going to get?" And there's nothing inherently wrong with that, right? Um, here's the thing: I think consumerism, in some ways, consumerism makes—there was something wrong. I'll get to that. Consumerism makes worship quite self-centered, with God loving on me which of course he does, as I'm saying. And, and there are some times when we desperately and, and truly need to know that he loves on me because our self-worth is just not in a good place. And that is, that is beautiful, that's good, that's right. Yeah, consumerism and self-centeredness delights in making that constant. And I just think there's something so freeing about not looking at myself all the time and just looking to him. Ah, oh, he's got it all sorted. He's worthy. He is the one who who we can glorify, like what he did on that cross and how he loves on us and how he knows us. He knows how many hairs on our head. And I think consumerism as well can lead us to a place where we're actually waiting for God to initiate an experience for us rather than us stepping in. And of course he he initiates at times, but there's something about us choosing, choosing to step in. I was surprised I had to detox from that stuff at Davidson a couple of years ago. I was quite surprised because this is a real area I'm passionate about. And again, humble pie moment for Seb. I love this quote from a guy called Dylan. He says, even if God never did another good thing in our lives, we could spend the rest of this life praising him for what he has already done. And of course, he's a good father. He gives good gifts. We know that scripturally. He's gonna give good stuff. He's gonna be giving good stuff today. But it's that ability to know that and cherish that on the base of knowing what He's already done for us on the cross and who He is. Mary didn't get put off. She didn't get discouraged. She didn't get sidetracked from her main focus, which, having read other passages, is just classic Mary. She's just legit. I think, especially in this time with everything going on in the world, but also in our church, with like John and Sandra moving on, it's very easy to take our eyes off Jesus. Very easy, he's got it in control. He's still on his throne. And I don't wanna be callous to the nervousness or the the actual awful stuff going on in the world. I don't mean it in a callous way, but it is also true at the same time that he is on his throne. He's not surprised. Cool, okay, sneaky, curveball, main next point. If we could move on to the next slide, please. This is actually the main thing I wanna kinda just land on. Mary didn't wait. Nor did she wait to be asked or invited. She stepped out. I've made the decision um, that whatever Christian meeting I go to, um, gathering, service, I don't want to let anything get between me and connecting with God. And I don't mean that, in, you know, if someone's like, oh, Seb, can I talk to you about something? I don't mean like, nope, sorry. <laughs> I'm focused on God. But, you know, I, I don't want to let my pride, my passivity, um, my apathy, my... Um, Whatever, my stuff and anything external, you know, whether I don't like the song or I don't like this, or I, d- I just don't want anything to get in between me and connecting and with God. Mary didn't wait. And I want to take responsibility for living out my own freedom in worship. At David's Tent, I wrote um, a few years ago, uh, David's Tent's getting a lot of mentions today. I, I wrote, um, I long for the day when worship leaders can't contain the worship from the believers as much as I love worship leaders and worship teams. There's only so much a great worship team can do as well because they can't force us to step in. They don't want to. Well, these guys don't. I crave free spaces and times of worship, to be honest. Mary repeatedly in the Gospels sought out intimacy with Jesus, even if she stood out. She didn't wait. Band, if you'd like to come up, that would be epic. And so if we could have the last slide, please. What does it look like for us to break our alabaster jar of pure nard and pour it on Jesus in deep adoration and worship? And I know I've chucked a lot at you today. I know it's a Sunday morning, it's hot outside, and I just think this is super important stuff. And I've actually found it quite raw coming into today because I really want to love you guys and I want to give something constructive um, and not overburden you with deep stuff and trying to get it at the right pitch and all that jazz, but I just think this is super, insto- it's super important stuff. Super important stuff. And so I'm not going to tell you guys what it looks like for this, because first of all, I have no idea. <laughs> I've got no clue. But I know there's more for all of us from a place of knowing that we're loved, not striving, none of that stuff. Um, and as I've tasted and seen them more, to be honest, I've, I'm not satisfied with less than the depth of intimacy and pursuit and freedom that I've experienced. I I just, not that I'm putting myself on a pedestal, but as I've stepped in, you know, more and more, like I, I don't want to go back. And I totally do at times. I want to be someone who pours their oil on Jesus. I want to be free in deep worship of Jesus because that is actually me stepping into more of who I want to be. It's my own personal freedom. I want to respond to the tangible tugs of my heart to worship him. I want to be caught up in this that I'm not even thinking about others, what others are saying in terms of criticism or anything. I don't I just don't even want to care. And so if you're looking for like a practical prayer, here's one. Feel free to pray it. Say amen if you want, in your head or out loud, whatever floats your boat. Holy Spirit, please come and have your way in me. Please lead me to Jesus in my mind, in my heart, in my emotions, in my body. Please lead me to an encounter with Jesus like I've never done before. And for those of you who don't know Jesus or you're not sure about him, um, no one's going to strong arm you into believing. That's not our intention here. We we believe in freedom of choice and freedom of choice in, in choosing choosing what you believe. But if you, if you feel like something's stirring or you want to know, well, who's he talking about? Just ask him. Ask him for an encounter today. Ask him for an encounter. Let's just wait on the Lord for a moment. Do what you need to do. Stand up, sit down, walk around. Do what you need to do. Don't worry about what's happening up here. Just go for it. Don't wait to be led right now. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would fill us afresh right now. We ask that you would fill this room afresh. We welcome you to come and have your way. We welcome you to lead us in ways you've never even experienced before and ways we have experienced before. We welcome you to lead lead us in worship, lead us in encounter. We welcome you to impart a heart of worship afresh in us to new levels, to new depths a heart of worship that Mary had, a heart of worship that David had and God I ask that you would um, do your thing as well in bringing freedom, thank you that where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom, thank you that scripture tells us that so, Lord, we're after genuine freedom in worship, not manufactured. (laughs) Thank you, God. place with God right now. Please just keep keep going if you want to. It is also 11.30 so you're more than welcome to head to the cafe if you would like to. But it's entirely your call. Cool, entirely your call. Cool. We hope you f- have a great week if you do head off now or whenever you head off. hope you have a great time in the cafe as well. Hopefully see you there. But feel free to stay. Feel free to stay if you want to stay. Don't let anything get between you and, and God and, and what you're doing. But Don't feel the pressure to stay as well. Tonight at 7pm, um, we're going to just have time of worship. Hour and a half. You're more than welcome to come along. I'm just going to pray. Um, a few people head off. Father, thank you that you're so good. Thank you that you're so good. And I ask that every heart would be warmed today. Those old words written centuries ago, that every heart would be strangely warmed by you, God. That you're the lover of our hearts. Thank you, God. Amen.